This is episode 340, dated Friday, December 29th, 2023. You are listening to the In Perspective weekly podcast with Bob Branco and Peter Outchul. Hello again, everybody, and welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. This is episode 340, dated Friday, December 29th. 2023. I want to wish everybody a very healthy, happy, and prosperous new year, hoping for great things in 2024. Before we continue, here comes the groom. He's in his living room. The newlywed, Peter Alchel, my good friend and colleague. Welcome to marriage, Peter. Congratulations. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. (laughs) So actually, I'm not in the living room. I'm in the sardine can. And a uh-huh. sardine can. The sardine okay. can. So the sardine can is, is the, is the name for me, my man cave. It's been dubbed the sardine can by my step grandkids, grand twins who are 11 years old. So why it's called the sardine can will take too long to get into, but that's what it's called. So I'm now in my sardine can. Well, more importantly, congratulations, Peter, on your marriage. And thank you so much. It was a great wedding. I'm sure it was. Before we continue, let me thank those people that make it possible for In Perspective to be aired. We start out with the media outlets. Thank you for airing us when you do. I also want to thank Raymond Gay, our executive producer, for editing our shows, making them quality programs. Thank you, Ray. Also, Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline. Thank you very much for posting our shows on Greeting Door Number 15. I also want to thank Jacqueline Sylvia from JS Web Solutions, who archives our programs on my website. If you want to hear the archives, just go to www.brancoevents.com, arrow down until you get to In Perspective Podcasts, click on them, and you will hear all of our archives, or most of them anyway, from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie, and Happy New Year to you and everybody else listening to this show. A few more shout-outs. Trish, thank you very much for hosting today. We appreciate that. And, of course, Brad for streaming on ACB Media 5. And because he does that, there are many of you who don't know how to get in touch with us because you are not on my official mailing list. So let me give that out briefly. If you want to make comments about our programs, just write to bobbranco93 at gmail.com. That's bobbranco, B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-O. 93 at gmail.com. I also want to say hi to Beth Roth, who said some really great things about our last show. Thank you, Beth, for listening. And I also want to give a shout out to Tim Cummings. Tim is with a company called Perkins Solutions. I understand he listens to us live out of Seattle, Washington. I know Tim personally. My beep baseball team played his Renegades beep baseball team about 20 years ago. Tim, howdy doody. And good luck with your Perkins Solutions company. We appreciate that. I know Tim too. He's a terrific guy. So yes, he is. We spoke with each other today. Our special guest for today's program is somebody that's very well known to us. He's back again to give us his summary of the year 2023 and what's going to happen politically in 2024. Former New York Congressman John LeBoutlier, it's always a pleasure having you on In Perspective. How are you today, sir? Thank you, Bob, and thank you, Peter. Congrats on the wedding. Thank you. And doing great. And, you know, you mentioned 
Tim from Washington State. 24 hours ago, I was at the movie theaters watching the new movie, The Boys in the Boat, which is the true story of the 1936 University of Washington crew that won the national championship and then won the gold medal in Berlin in the Olympics. And I mean, God, what a great movie it is. Fantastic. And it makes people from Washington, Oregon, the Pacific Northwest should be very proud because there's not that many stories that get made into movies from out there, you know. And this is the second movie this year from that region, the other being Air, about Nike and and Michael Jordan and his shoe deal. That's a terrific movie, too. So, so Congressman, this might be an awkward uh, transition, but I'm curious. Do you see any times, any connections between the time that movie, what's it called, The Boys in the Boat, talking yeah. about 1938 and our current political? 36, 36. 36, forgive me. Okay, so do you see any... Comparisons between 1936 when that movie was made and today. Well, let's think that through. Now, that's in the middle of the Depression, and there were quite a few scenes of the unbelievable poverty in Washington State at the time, and some of these boys that made the crew team came from really pathetic backgrounds. The main guy they focused on in the movie lived in his car in a, like a dump in Washington State. I don't know what town it's in. Is it Olympia? I don't know. Where where is the University of Washington? It's in Seattle. Oh. I've heard. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So it's in Seattle. Anyway, Seattle was really looking grim. And we're not in a depression in America. We're in a different situation today than back then. Back then, the public almost universally believed in the government and believed in the president who was getting them food and you know assistance and all that they 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 liked they loved their president roosevelt here we're a divided country where we blame the government for most of our problems uh not thanking the government for fixing them or whatever so it's i think it's different i uh i i have a question congressman and maybe you can shed some light on some of the possible illegal issues involved with this. The Colorado Supreme Court wants to take Donald Trump off the ballot. Whether we like Donald Trump or not, the question is not about that. It's about where there has not been no official due process in the judicial system where Donald Trump is concerned. He hasn't been tried. He hasn't been convicted. Does the Colorado Supreme Court have the right to decide to take a candidate off the ballot based on what hasn't happened yet? Well, first of all, they didn't. The district court judge had a trial in October with witnesses provided by both sides, including Donald Trump, to establish whether or not Trump was involved in an insurrection against the Constitution. And she found that Trump did engage in an insurrection against the Constitution. So to say there was no due process is not true. Well, well, what I meant to say was he hasn't been tried. Well, he has not been tried and he's not been charged with insurrection, but the 14th Amendment does not mention conviction. It doesn't mention having to be tried and convicted. It just says any officer 
a former officer of the United States government who took an oath to uphold the Constitution, who then engages in an insurrection or aids and abets those who engage in an insurrection against the Constitution, can never hold a position of trust again. So there's no mention of a trial. Doesn't, you know, who knows? Look, it's going to be up to the Supreme Court. Those nine people are going to decide this thing. We can chat about it on a radio show, which I hope we do. I'm glad we're going to do it. But ultimately, this is going to be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court because we have two states who've now said at the moment he can't be on their ballot. So the only way to settle it in our system ultimately is the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, as I understand it, is reluctant to take the – I mean, that's maybe the no. – right. No, they haven't touched it. We they don't have any re- ruling. They – they didn't take the immunity case yet. Right. They're waiting for the appeals court, the circuit court of appeals to decide about presidential immunity. Trump claims he's immune from prosecution for anything he did as president. The trial judge already ruled that that's ridiculous. The president is not a king. Of course, he can be tried for what he did when he was president. But the question is, if it's an official act as president, can he be tried? And the answer is we don't know. But this wasn't an official act. Stirring up people and getting fake electors and pressuring Mike Pence not to count the electoral votes, that's not part of his official duties. That's him trying to stay in office past his term. So that's that's that issue. That's the immunity issue. But the 14th Amendment issue hasn't even yet been appealed to the Supreme Court, but it's about to be. Colorado Republicans are appealing it. So it's it's it seems to me, I mean, there's there are two separate issues here that that may or may not be connected. The first is the legality of this stuff, right? You know, did President Trump, when he was president, former President Trump, engage in insurrection stuff? And as you said, a a, a judge ruled that he in fact did. So that's the legal part. But the other issue is sort of the political piece in all this. And it would seem to me that if the Supreme Court were to rule that that President Trump did indeed engage in insurrection and the states would then have presumably the rights to take him off the ballot, I think the, the impact that would be would be a real problem for this country because President Trump, from my perspective, thrives on the martyr complex. He wants to be the martyr. And his supporters, his, his, his really hardcore supporters buy into this. And I, Peter, hold on a sec. Well, let's go back to the previous thing you said. If the Supreme Court finds that he did engage in right. insurrection, right. Well, then, then he's not on the ballot. That's right. All right. Well, at that point, who cares what, what any of it? At that point, he's finished politically, but there's no really, appeal. There's no really. Appeal. Yes, really. There's no, well, there's no appeal. appeal. Not really. There's no appeal. Yeah, legally, it's you're, over. I'm sorry. It's, you're right. Technically, you're right. But what is he going to do and what is he going to do? You're not, whoever, we're, not saying, talking, we're not welcoming participants We, we need yet. you to, be, uh, to raise your hand and ask a question. We'll give you a chance. How do you so, do that? Please mute. What? Please mute yourself. And then we'll, we'll you can raise your – are you on the phone? Yes. All right. What's it? Star – what is it to raise star your six. hand? Star six. Star Thank six. You, star six. We'll get to you shortly. Thank you. Uh, apologies. Apologies for Sorry. both of you. Co- Congressman. 
Yeah. You were, you were right. There was no appeal to this. No, if, if, and I'm not, who knows what's going to happen. And it's right. going to come pretty quickly. This is not going to be eight months from now. It's got to be pretty soon. Right. The Supreme Court might blow the thing off and say he can stay on the ballot. And that's that. Then we go ahead with the election, the primaries and the election. But if they come back and say, no, actually, according to the reading of the 14th Amendment, he's disqualified, then that's it. No more Donald Trump ever holding or running for office. It's finished. And all his supporters are going to have to find another candidate to support. But what do you think the supporters are going to do, given President Trump's sort of martyr complex syndrome? We've talked about this on the show before. You know, he he loves playing the victim. Well, uh, listen, I don't they're going to have to find a candidate. I mean, there is nothing they can do. Right. They can't write his name in. He's ineligible to be president. So that's the end of it. And I think the MAGA base, the MAGA group of voters, they're not going to stay united because there isn't Trump left to unite them. So some are going to go with one candidate. Some are going to go with another. And they're going to be very diminished politically. And the Republicans will have to get a new candidate for president. I, I mean, to go back to your original point, I can't I'm not a mind reader, but I can't imagine the Supreme Court throwing them off the ballot. I, I just can't see them doing it. But, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us know. Yeah. Uh, the ir- irony of it is at least five of them, and then the conservative ones, claimed to be textualists, <laughs> which means they take the text of the Constitution and apply it. They don't interpret it. They don't say, well, they actually meant this when they said that. No, if the words say X, Y, and Z, then that's the way they're supposed to rule. And if that were the case, they would throw him off because any reading, and I a minute ago, pretty much pretty accurately paraphrased yep. the 14th Amendment. And it applies to Trump, as I said, like a, a hand in a glove. Did he, uphold, did he swear an oath to uphold the Constitution when he was sworn in as president? Yes, he did. And then came January 6th and everything related to it. And did he uphold the Constitution? No, he didn't. And he tried to undermine the Constitution. And there are repeated acts of trying to undermine it. Fake electors, pressuring Pence, egging the people on at the Capitol, all that stuff. I mean, I don't want to hear people tell me this guy didn't engage or aid and abet an insurrection against the Constitution. Of course he did. I mean, what were we looking at all this time? We're still looking at it. This guy, in the le- this year that we're ending, 2023, he has pressured the Speaker of the House of Wisconsin this year to go back and undo the certification in Wisconsin of the 2020 election. He's still doing it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it is kind of it is it is crazy stuff. I I could see the Supreme Court saying that it wasn't enough. He didn't do enough to to spur an insurrection. I agree with you, Congressman. But I I could see the Supreme Court weaseling their way out of this by saying, well, yeah. there are free speech issues involved. You know, there are there are enough. Uh, you know, I could see them sort of fighting yeah. well, away people out of it. Right. I think that's what we better expect that they'll weasel their way out of it. 
Yeah. So yeah. we have other candidates. We have Haley. We have Christie. We have DeSantis. Do you think any of those would emerge at that point if anything happened with Donald Trump? Well, okay. So let's say Trump is eliminated. If it isn't one of those three, someone else is going to have to get in the race that we aren't talking about. I mean, uh, what's the guy's name? I already forgot the guy's name, the governor of Virginia. Oh, he's been talked about. I can't remember his name either. Youngkin. You know, I mean, I, I think Youngkin. it's a whole Thank new you. world. Youngkin. Youngkin. Glenn yeah. Youngkin. Yeah. yeah. I think if Trump were eliminated, you're hypothetical, Bob. I think then it's a whole new political world for both parties. What do you think the odds of having a coup? Excuse me. We really need you to raise your hand. It's not fair to So how do I do that? I'm on the phone. I don't know how to do it. I told you once. It's it, star six. Star six, sir. And, and we will. I, you actually, told me star seven. Actually, hang on, please. To raise your hand is star nine. Okay. To mute yourself okay. is star six. Please, please mute yourself with star six if you're on the phone. Thank you. We'll give, we'll give you a chance. We, we will. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think President Trump will be on the ballot and it's, and we'll, and, and but we'll see. I want to sort of go the other I mean, thing. And by the way, the irony of it is, excuse me, Peter, just to yeah. close the thought, Trump sort of first emerged politically in 2011, 2012, pushing the notion that Barack Obama was not eligible to be president because he wasn't born in the United States and claimed that he had evidence and claimed he sent private investigators to Hawaii and all this stuff and all turned out to be bunk, but he made a lot of noise with it. Isn't it ironic that here we are 13 years later and there is a big move afoot to have Trump be the one to be disqualified? (laughs) It is. There's lots of irony involved with President Trump. And projection, uh, you know, what I've sort of grew to learn that when President Trump accused somebody of something, he was often guilty of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, whatever it was. And we all sometimes do that. It's, it's a human thing, but it got really, from my perspective, really bore tedious with President Trump. I, I want, before we turn over to questions, the other major thing that happened since that I'm aware of since you, since we talked last was, What's been going on in the Middle East? You know, the, the, yeah, the sure. atrocity in, in, in Israel. October 7th. Yeah, yeah, October 7th. So give us a take on what you, what you think's going on and what might happen and your, your general reaction. Uh, well, I think it's, uh, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're close, but not there to having a larger war in the Middle East. The ultimate guy pulling the strings that caused this is Iran. Yep. And I think Iran got Hamas to do this attack and make it utterly horrific in order to get Israel totally pissed off and, in effect, overreact by bombing Mm -hmm. the hell out of Gaza, which, sure enough, they did, which has inflamed the whole situation. Now, why would Iran want to do that? Because they were hearing positive signs coming out that Israel and Saudi Arabia with the United States sort of brokering the deal, are on the doorstep of having normalized relations, which would be a huge change in the Middle East. The largest Arab, excuse me, the largest Muslim country in the Middle East, the home, the capital of Islam, and Israel forming an alliance 
It's well, who's the alliance against? Iran. And that scares Tehran like nothing. And so they, they try to delay it and forestall this thing by getting the situation going with the Palestinians again. And sure enough, they did. And that deal's on the back burner right now. And the other thing that, that, that strikes me is how Israel appears to be, appear to be unprepared. I mean, they just seemed, oh. it, I mean, there seems to be some major at that moment, a f- fall, fall down of, of some of the folks trying to monitor what was going on. Yeah. No, I mean, what's happened in Israel is inconceivable to me. The lack of preparedness, the being distracted by internal political problems, the military not being ready and competent. We used to think of them as, other than us, the most competent and efficient military in the world. You go back to 1976 and the rescue in Uganda at Entebbe of the plane full of Israelis that the military went in there. I remember and only that. had one right, remember that? And the only only one Israeli soldier died, and who was that? Johnny Netanyahu, Bibi Netanyahu's older brother. He's the only Israeli to die in that rescue mission. And they were just I mean, it was brilliant what they were able to do. And now here they can't even protect a music festival in their own country from having these Bastards go in there and kill dozens of people at that thing, kidnap some, go to kibbutzes. We all know what happened. It is horrible. And I, I, you know, I have the sense that maybe this is unfair that I think is, is, as you said, have overreacted. And, you know, the, the, it's not going to help their cause in the, in the long term, at least for anybody. It doesn't help anybody. I don't know how this thing gets, gets resolved without it blowing up personally. Although I did hear that Egypt was trying to negotiate something. Which was rejected this week, but you oh, never know what's going on behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, that, they were trying to get another ceasefire and another big hostage release. That's been rejected. Here, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure Israel has factored in that they're getting blasted on the international front. Right. And and what are they getting blasted for civilian deaths in Palestine, in, in, in Gaza of Palestinians. And they don't try to kill civilians, but it's inevitable in an urban environment when Hamas is hiding amongst the population. It is inevitable that civilians are going to get killed. And it's terrible. Who knows how many have really been killed? Hamas says 20,000. I wouldn't trust their number as far as I could throw it. But a lot are clearly suffering and plus the illnesses and the starvation. The thing's a disaster, but it really isn't Israel's fault. Yeah. It's Hamas's fault. Israel doesn't run Gaza. They're not the ones who took all the money, all the international aid money that was sent in there for the last 16 years since 2007. Billions have gone in there to help these people, and Hamas took it and built tunnels with it and bought military equipment and rockets and all that stuff. So I I don't think Israel, I have to tell you, I think Israel's factored in that the world will condemn Israel for what Israel is doing. And frankly, Israel says, too bad, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to wipe, we're wiping out Hamas as a military and political institution. 
I'm just, and we're going to do it no matter what. I'm not sure they can do it. I mean, it's like we, we said we were going to, you know, after September 11th do all this stuff and we weren't successful. No, no, we were, no, but I don't agree. You tell me we're in 2023. Is Al Qaeda a threat anymore? I doubt it. No, they're, they're not. Right. Is, how about ISIS? Is ISIS a threat anymore? Not like it was three years ago. No, I mean, I think they're going there. We have, we have decapitated those things and you can decapitate Hamas. It does not mean that there aren't sympathetic people to Hamas or the individual Hamas soldiers still living and escaping this thing. But as an entity, it is never going to be allowed to run Gaza ever again. The Israelis won't allow it and they won't allow them to be attacking Israel anymore. They won't do it. They'll, Israel's tough as hell, man. They're going to go in there and blast the place if any more of this happens. They won't allow it. Before we get into our participation portion of our program, there's one other element that I keep hearing about, Congressman. Maybe you can tell us, what is Hezbollah? Okay, so Hezbollah is a different... Yeah, Hezbollah, or you can say Hezbollah, they are a different group up in Lebanon and Syria, also funded by the Iranians. They're all part, almost, of the Muslim Brotherhood. They are more powerful in Lebanon than anything. They basically run Lebanon and are poised on Israel's northern border with 150,000 rockets supplied by Iran aimed into Israel. 150,000. And you wonder why so many. The answer is the Iron Dome defense system that Israel has. It, it You launch a rocket into Israeli airspace. Iron Dome puts an interceptor up and intercepts that rocket. Great. Works. It's working great. But you can overwhelm it. If you launch 25,000 missiles in an hour, Iron Dome cannot intercept all of them, some will get through and hit Israel. So they've got 150,000 of these rockets in schools, hospitals, people's homes, all southern Lebanon aimed, ready to fire into Israel. And if they push it, Israel's ready to go up there and go to war with them at the same time. They'll fight Hamas, funded by Iran, in Gaza, and they're wiping them out. Let's face it, they've made a lot of progress. And they're going to flood all the tunnels or do whatever they've got to do to put them out of business. And and then if they have to fight Hezbollah, they'll do that too. And by the way, if, they, if, if Iran pushes that to happen, to cause a two-front war on Israel, Iran better watch out because I, I, I could see a quick escalation to where Israel hits Tehran. They're not going to sit there and just take it over and over. And you also have, you have the Houthi rebels who are also funded by Iran. They're launching drones and missiles at U.S. ships and guys on the ground. It's a bad deal going on. And, you know, not to mention all the anti-Semitism going on. all over. Well, that's the a place. whole other conversation. Yeah, probably all should talk that. So uh, let me welcome participants. And before we do that, let me just let everybody know that you're listening to In Perspective with Bob Branco and Peter Alchil. Our special guest is former New York Congressman John LeBoutlier. 
Trish, I think we're going to let this gentleman go. He was first. I don't know his name, but he can just unmute by hitting star nine and he can be on the air. I don't know his name, but maybe, sir, you're welcome back. So you can identify yourself and let us know what you want to say. Go ahead, Eric. 908, go ahead. Star Hello, nine. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we yes. can. What's can you your name? Me? Okay. I'm sorry, sir. My name is Jerry. Hi, um, Jerry. I don't know if you use last names, but um, That's okay. I'm, I have a question to the congressman. You know, we talk about, you talk about Trump as if he were a normal human, as if he were going to accept the Supreme Court decision. Suppose the Supreme Court says you're ineligible for office, you're an insurrectionist, just like Robert E. Lee. What kind of a coup is he going to launch? Uh, well, that's frightening thought because we don't have. I know, but we got to really think about America. this. Well, we do. I mean, and the man the has way, not accepted any setbacks so far. Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, he, he, you know, I don't, let's see what he does, but you're right. We better be ready. And he we better, better be, be ready, ready to defend the country. I mean, well, I, shouldn't I, t- I moved to a different state. I used to be a Yankee. I am a Yankee. I moved to the South. We were having a lunch. I live in a retirement community. And I said something to the effect that Bobby Lee was a traitor. You should have seen oh. the outrage telling me <laughs> yeah. that the Confederacy was not a rebellion. Well, yeah. That it was a two-state solution, just like the Palestinians want. <laughs> well, I, I've I swear seen that myself. I've seen that myself. This is probably why Nikki Haley the other night in New Hampshire refused yeah. to... Bring up yeah, the they say they condemn slavery. That's right. They don't. They right. say that here. I mean, I, I you know, could I, may I may I identify the state that I now live in, or should I not? Go, go ahead. ahead, South Carolina. All right, there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, and I, it's, I, I, it's like un, moving from New Jersey and from New York. It is a whole different world down here. Yeah. Well, that's all true. But let's just go back to your very good first part of the question. Would Trump try to run a coup? And probably how he he might try, but first of all, he's I don't know how he would do it. I can't think like Trump. He's woefully incompetent. Yeah. How do you run a coup? How are you? Well, I don't know. You, I, I think you do what he he did on January sixth. He would try to get his people riled up and have them go do something against somebody in the government, against the Supreme Court. In which case, I hope he gets arrested. Okay. Once we start or going do, down you, that do you road, try to take over some government buildings to seize nuclear weapons? Well, well that's what I mean. If he try, if he in yeah. any way has something to do with any of that, enough is enough with this guy. Arrest him and throw him in the clink and be done with it. I, you know, it's um, just it's out of hand. That how much one guy I, can destroy this country? Yeah. Well, you know, and, 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 I don't know. And of course, the, the but we're not there yet. He hasn't been yet. ruled against. He, I, I, he's lost there. every every case at the end of his presidency and since that has gone like. But he claims that three justices owe him that he appointed. Yeah, well, but then, then hold on. Then he twice took it to the Supreme Court to try to keep his income taxes from being right. turned over to the Congress and, and to Cy Vance. And those three justices that he appointed both times voted against him. Yeah. I can't imagine the Supreme Court ruling that Trump was, was an insurrectionist. I just can't see it happening. I can't I'm see that. I'm surprised. But I, I'm, I'm wrong often. 
as Congressman often knows, points out to me in our in our. Well, we all we all are. That's we right. All are. I mean, yeah. we don't know what they're going to do, and you know, there's the same judges on the Supreme Court, same justices, three of them, the latest three, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, all under oath in the Senate Judiciary Committee, when asked about Roe v. Wade, said we're not touching that. That's stare decisis, settled law, done. And all three of them voted to overrule it. So, you know, why would I believe anything any of them say when they say, oh, I'm a textualist. I go by the text of the Constitution. And then they're going to try to weasel around that. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know. Hopefully this will get resolved pretty quickly so we can. I think it has to. I think it has to too. Yeah. Jerry, we thank do, you so much for, we, uh, for your comments. Thanks, Jerry. How many hands do we have? Well, okay. uh, we, come back just, to, Jerry, come back to New Jersey. Bail okay. out of the Confederacy. <laughs> At the moment we have three hands raised. Would you like to take the next one? I yes, do. we would. Please. Thank you. Okay, Jane, go ahead and unmute, please. Hi, Jane. Happy New Year. Jane? Can anybody Jane, hear me? Jane T. Go yeah. ahead and unmute, please. Can you hear me, Trish? I can hear you fine. Okay. Happy New Year, Jane. Okay. Right. I, there she is. I, yes, thank you. I was, I am impressed with your rounding up the points you did, Congressman. Thanks. I have been really worried about what the Supreme Court would do. And since I can't vote on the Supreme Court, I just think about that. So I was distressed when they reversed their decision about Roe v. Wade. I don't know how people do that. So I don't know what's ahead. I I think it's a tragic situation. And for everybody's sake, I don't think that Donald Trump should be allowed to be in office again. And that's my, my stand, but I really, I have people very close to me who are opposed to my view of that. And I'm really working hard to listen to see what they, what, where they are and how they get there. So anyway, thank right. you for your clear summation. Thanks, Jane. You know, it's it, on the Supreme Court issue of Roe v. Wade, hmm. which they, overruled or threw it out, repealed it and replaced it with the Dobbs decision, which if you look at it, ended up giving the Democrats huge momentum and victories in the 2022 and this past November's elections. And so what they do politically is not separate from the political ramifications. They, they I don't know if they take that into account or not, They have another case cooking along right now that they've taken on access to the abortion pill. And they've taken that case. We'll have a ruling by the end of June. And that could have an impact on the election this year, too. If they limit access to that pill, which is used in 50 percent of abortions in this country, that will jazz up women voters all over again against the Republicans. Congressman, I, this whole abortion thing I found absolutely fascinating. I mean, the the way it's 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 you know it's the Democrats have rallied around it, and every amendment related to abortion has, in these various states—Kansas, Kentucky, 
has gone the yep. dark way, you know, so everywhere, Ohio, and, and, everywhere. And, but here, here's the puzzle for me. The puzzle is, I think most people find abortion a difficult thing. You know, we don't want people to, yep. to, to do abortion, but we, but we want to make it an option. I mean, that's really the, the, the tension that, that abortion deals with. And the message that I'm getting from, from these votes is that not that we are so much a supporter of abortion, but we don't trust the government. We don't trust right. the government to do the right thing when it comes to abortion. And what, but by extension, what worries me is that, that the, is that I'm not sure he trusts the government to do anything. And that's, that's the issue. That's why President Trump is so popular because he, 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 he voices those themes. And I well, think he, what well, you said well, earlier. Well, 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 <laughs> I, I don't, uh, yeah, but it's inconsistent. I mean, I, I agree. He, for, I mean, he's taking credit for getting rid of Roe v. Wade. I, I'm the guy that put the judges on that got rid of Roe v. Wade. Right. And then we have him when he's running in 2016 saying the woman who has the abortion must be punished. He did. I remember that. Yeah. So how's that going? I mean, politically, Donald Trump has lost Every election he's been in, except, and he lost the popular vote against Hillary. Yeah, he eked it out in three states because he was running against the only person in America, Hillary Clinton, who was less popular and less trustworthy than he was. Thanks to the Electoral College, he won. That's what I said, three states. Right. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. That's it. And since then, he's lost the House, he lost the Senate, they lost in 2022, and they lost this year, Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia. I mean, I'm telling you, he's got a losing hand. And the Republicans, I said this the last time I was on this show, the Republicans are out of sync on this abortion thing. They're a party that says we want to limit the size and role of government. And yet they turn around and say, but we're going to tell you, you can't have a procedure done to your body. And it doesn't make any sense. It's not, it's inconsistent and it's an unpopular position. Thank you, uh, Jane. Thank you much for, I think it was Jane, wasn't it? Yes. Who's next, Trish? Bill Mills. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, Bill. Happy New Year. Bill, B-E-L. Same to you. Bill, I'm sorry. Happy New Year, Bill. Hey, Bill. Happy New Year. Thank you. You're on. Okay. First of all, I am a Southerner and I'm not a Robert E. Lee. <laughs> you're not a, you're not a Confederate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, but I am concerned nowadays that so many people are not allowed to express their opinion. You know, if they express an opinion, oh, here comes a, a riot or. Yeah. This kind of thing. And that is concerning. And so that's. Well, I think they are allowed to express their opinion, Bill, but they're afraid to. And I don't blame them for being afraid. I mean, it's we've got nasty people in this country who get nasty with you if they don't agree with your position or what you say. And then you and have the woke culture that doesn't help. Well, we got that, too. That's the same thing in reverse. It's all un-American. We're supposed to respect each other's opinions, even when we disagree. And in Congress, they used to say to the new guys coming in, new gals coming in, it's okay to disagree, but don't be disagreeable. And that's the way to 
do things. And most Americans do this day to day. They get along and they don't agree, but they don't hate each other because of it. It's a minority of people who are really nasty that have screwed things up. And we can't be afraid of them. Well, it's what I said during last week's show that it, you know, the problem is that, that, that the, the radicals on both sides drive the conversation. We in the yeah. middle need to wake up and say, no, yeah. we, we don't, we don't want you. We yeah. don't want, we want, we want, you know, common sense. We don't always agree what that means, but we want common sense and, 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 and civility and respect and we ain't getting it. But we, but we're not going to get it unless we stand up and say no to both of you. Yeah. Oh, we, we don't want you. Yeah. Want you anymore. Exactly. You know, that, that really is the bottom line. Unfortunately, you know, the media and other folks make money by, by, by spotlighting the, the folks on both sides who are the, the hardcore radicals. And it does not yeah. help our country at all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very sad. <laughs> Thank you, Bell. I appreciate it. And I appreciate, I appreciate that. You know, not, you remind us that not every Southerner is, you know, the the stereotype. And most Southerners, in fact, I don't think are, in fact. No, no, uh, not anymore. I'll tell you so, an interesting thing, though, Peter. When the Nikki Haley thing happened this week up in New Hampshire, which I think was Wednesday night at a town hall, someone just asked her what was the cause of the Civil War, and she didn't mention slavery. Right. Which, by the way, is the only cause of the Civil War. <laughs> 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 and anyway, so she tries to clean it up. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it, and why would she do that? Well, I don't understand why any of it happened. I mean, why don't you just say, just recount the truth, which yeah, is exactly it was a disagreement over slavery and they wanted to expand slavery to the Western states. And the union said, no, we're not, not doing it. They could have kept their slavery in the South. You know, they could have kept going. Lincoln was going to let them keep it going. But when they tried to push it into the Western states, that was it. The whole thing fell apart. But, okay, so you got a Republican candidate, can't even bring up slavery. Why? I don't know, but she didn't bring it up. Go back a few months ago, or within this past year, when we learned that DeSantis, as governor of Florida, there was some stuff in the school curricula down there that taught that slavery gave an advantage to the slaves that they learned skills that non-slaves didn't learn. And I mean, I hear this, I go, what the hell is this? This shows the insanity of some people, not all, some in the Republican Party that were so distorting the benefits of slavery are to the slave. And now the governor of the state where it began, South Carolina, she can't even mention it as the cause of the Civil War. I, there's something really wrong with the Republican Party. I'll tell you, it's got to fix itself or it's going to keep losing. Who's next? Next, we have Beth. Go ahead, Beth. Happy New Year, Beth. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Hey, Beth. Uh, hey, I wanted to ask you, Congressman, thanks for being on. This whole Middle East thing, if it really blows up, two questions. Number one. Will we send troops over there? And number two, will there be some kind, maybe not immediately, of nuclear exchange? I understand North Korea is ramping that up again. Thank you very much. Okay, good questions. Something both of them we ought to think about all the time. I think we have sent some troops into the region on 
a marine carrier to be ready for some marines to hit the ground for whatever might come up. But we're not engaged in the combat. We apparently don't even use special forces to look for the six remaining hostages that are in Gaza. We're letting the Israelis do it. So I think President Biden is very careful not to get America engaged in combat. And as for the nuclear thing, when anybody can figure out Kim Jong-un and what's going on with him, let, let us all know. Because it sounds to me always like he's craving attention. And in order to get the attention, he does more tests, sends missiles up, expands the range of his ICBMs, brags now recently that he can hit any city in the continental United States, which is pretty frightening. But short of going in there, how you stop him, I don't know. No president, Republican or Democrat, has been able to contain the North Korean nuclear program. The thing that worries me, Congressman, is you said this before. If Iran gets decides to get engaged and Israel decides to, you know, go yeah. down, then all, all bets are on the table. I mean, then then it becomes really scary really fast. You know, we, we Inclu- do- including us getting involved. We exactly could, that's the point. we could hit, we could get because they are hitting the the Iranian surrogates are hitting American contractors and bases in Iraq and Syria, and we've retaliated, but we haven't directly attacked Iranian interests yet. But we've got two aircraft carrier groups in the Mediterranean. We've got a lot of other ships, and we have a nuclear submarine off the coast of Iran, and we've let them know it's there. So we're trying to use military deterrence to stop them from escalating into a regional war. Uh, Do we have anybody else? Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you, Beth. No hands at the moment. All right. So interrupt us if somebody does raise their hand. Oh, we, wait, wait. We do have a hand now. All right. Okay. Michael, go ahead. Is that Michael from Texas? It is. I guess. It is. It is. Happy New Year, Reverend. What's going on? Good, good. First of all, congratulations, Peter. Thank you. And, and first thing I want to say is I live in Texas. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, state where the governor does everything he wants to do and bullies the state legislature to do what he wants them to do. Sends illegal immigrants to Chicago. And everywhere else. And calls special sessions to the state legislature until he he wears the legislators down to get his agenda passed. But anyway, that's the state I live in. But when you're talking about the war, the the war the in the Middle East, and guess who else is just smiling from ear to ear? Vladimir Putin. There you go, because yeah, the right. attention has been and China, and China too. And well, China. Putin really. Putin, Putin. Putin is more Putin than really. China. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the Middle uh-huh. East isn't helping China much. China has a lot of internal problems and. That, that, that's that, that's, that's hurting them. Their economy's in bad shape. They've got a. You keep reading about a demographic problem where they're becoming an old country, 
because they put in that policy 50 years ago. You can only have one kid. And those that's one really kids. A, that's really a policy? Oh, fact? absolutely. It was a policy for many years. It's not what if new. you had two kids? What would happen to you? They, they, well, they did, they killed babies and they punished people and took babies away and put them in orphanages and all sorts of stuff. And they played rough with people because they saw a population. They were already at 1.3 billion and hundreds of millions were living in poverty. And if they keep having babies, how are they going to take care of it? So they limited it. But they overreacted. So now they're an old population. They don't have enough young people. The And the ones they have, the unemployment rate is estimated to be 25% among the young. So they got a lot of problems. I don't think the Palestinians and Hamas are a big thing for them. But they are for Putin. They are for Putin because that is taking away the American focus on on Ukraine. And we are having to give aid to Israel and all that. And we, we're not unlimited source of aid for everybody. Michael, did you want to say something else? Yeah, I was just going to say on China thing, I, I heard that they're easing, they're easing that uh, birth rate limitations. But, but in terms of Putin, you see here recently he he had a barrage of of bombings last night to really try to yeah uh, do away with a bunch of cities in in the Ukraine. So he's he's trying to exercise his his might. What what now? Here's the question though: Is what does Ukraine does not have enough firepower to hit some of the cities in Russia? Would that would that change Putin's uh, plan of action? Well, the only I think the only way they've been able to hit Moscow was with some drones. They have been able to blow up some facilities and ships in Crimea, which is actually Ukraine, but it the Russians took it in 2014, and but they have a huge naval base in Sevastopol, I think it is, in Crimea. And they hit those, and they're having a good success doing it. But hitting Russia, they don't have long-range missiles. They don't have an air force. They don't have anything for that. The problem is, you know, the danger is if if Ukraine were to do things like that, what would Russia do in response? They've threatened. Yep. And that's why Biden Biden keeps getting asked for longer-range missiles from the Ukrainians are asking us, and he's been hesitant to give it to them because they will use it to move into Russia and attack Russian interests, and the war could escalate. Yeah. So it's a d- dangerous dance. I get the feeling that we're reaching ahead on this war in this coming year, in 2024, that Europe and the United States are not going to fund the Ukrainians to the extent that that we want to. We don't have the means to because the Republicans won't pass the bill. Same in Europe. Hungary is blocking the aid, the military aid that they're going to give to Ukraine. And, you know, Russia is getting tired, too, and are wiped out. They've oh. lost 300. They've lost 350,000 soldiers. In I'm wondering time. how the U.S. has had the means all this time to fund Ukraine. 
Well, we're we're the biggest economy in the world, and we in a large and, debt. Yeah, we got a large debt, but 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 this isn't incurring debt because what we're doing is we're taking stocks of our military equipment that we've already bought and put in our bases around the United States, and we're packing it up and shipping it to Ukraine. And we're going to have to refill that, but so far we haven't. And then when Hamas hit Israel, Mm -hmm. suddenly Israel needs stuff from the same stocks, including anti-aircraft for anti-missile stuff for the Iron Dome. we got to ship that over there. And so we're depleting our resources pretty quickly. We have six minutes and one hand. Let's take the hand and... Thank you, Reverend. Happy New Year to you. Bell, go ahead. Actually, we have two hands, a second patient, but Bell, go ahead. You're first. Bell? All right. There you are. Go for what it. are we going to do about the immigration problem? I'm for Glad you brought immigration, that up. but honestly, we have got to do something. Something has to be done. All right, so here's the thing. This isn't anything new. We're, we should all be in favor of legal immigration. I'm sure we all are. The problem at the southern border is illegal immigration, people streaming in here, claiming they need asylum. And under our current law, if you claim you need asylum, you're guaranteed an asylum hearing. And pending that hearing, what happens to you? Well, at the moment, they're letting them be in America. And they never, most of them never show up for their asylum hearing, which often can be a year later because we don't have enough judges to do all these hearings. We don't have the room. They don't have anything. Right. So the Republicans in the House have said no aid to Israel or Ukraine unless we fix the southern border issue. And Biden has already buckled on this and agreed to do massive changes on the southern border. Uh, not just to get the aid for Israel and Ukraine, but also to help himself get reelected. That this is the biggest negative on his record is the southern border, and he's got to make changes. You saw two days ago he dispatched uh, Secretary of State Blinken and the Homeland Security Chief Mayorkas to Mexico City, and they had a big meeting with the president of Mexico. They haven't announced the results yet, but I think that's coming after New Year's. A big 180 on immigration from the Biden crowd where they're going to toughen things up at the southern border and try to keep these people out because it's hurting them politically. And in the end, it's politics and it's reelection. And even if Biden has to get tough where he didn't want to, he's got to do it for his own survival. Thank you so much. Uh, Do we have time for one more, Bob? about two minutes because we do have to do our closing remarks. Yeah. So if there's yeah. any other hand, we'll take it for about one or two minutes. Okay. We have Beth. Go ahead, Beth. Hey, Beth. Hello, oh, Beth. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I'm Hello. here. So, yes. That's what I was going to address to the immigration problem. And the fact that they're using a lot of our resources on these people and and they're not using the a lot of our resources for American citizens. I mean, they're putting them up in hotels and things like that. 
Well, I, there's well that is all true, and they've been dispersed. And, you know, it used to be when the illegal immigrants came across, they were all down in the southern border areas of Texas and Arizona and New Mexico. But, no, now they're moving them out. We've got them all over New York City. We've got them in Buffalo. Massachusetts. We've got them in Massachusetts. Yeah, they're everywhere, including. Which we Democratic- have a guaranteed. We have a guaranteed shelter policy in Massachusetts. Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but something to that effect, right, Congressman? Something. I mean, every place has this, you know, there, because we're, we're a humane country. These are not bad people that are coming here, but they're coming here the wrong way. That's the problem. And we got to fix this thing. So people can come to America. We want them to come. We want, we need them to come work. But we got to know who's coming and make sure good ones come and criminals and sick people don't come. So exactly. And we were out of time, unfortunately. Beth, thank you okay. so much. Uh, Congressman, You're thank welcome. you again. We're going to have you back in a few weeks to update us and we'll continue to talk what's going on worldwide here in this, in this, uh, situation that we have. election year 2024 ought to be interesting. That's for sure. That's Next. it. And I think, I, I think I'm with you in February. So we'll be right yeah. in the middle of. Beginning That's of great. The voting, That's so that'll be good. Yeah. yeah, we really appreciate you being with us. Thank you. And next week we're going to have Duncan Holmes. He's the president of the National Church Conference of the Blind. That ought to be a very spiritual program. Peter, congratulations on your marriage, and thank, thank you, you for being with us today. And Happy also to Trish, everybody, and everybody else. Go safe with God's abundant <laughs> blessings. Have a great week. 